Hello and welcome back to another episode of What Do People Do podcast. I'm Leo. I'm Eddie. I'm Charlie. And today we've got a very special guest with us. If you'd like to introduce yourself, give us your name, your age and kind of what you do if you've got a title. Yeah, gosh, age. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I am, uh, I'm James McMillan. Um, I'm 38, 39 this year, getting close to that big 4 Oh no. Um, I know, it's terrible. Um, and I am co-founder and CEO of a business called MyNexus. Um, and I am also a kind of just all-round entrepreneur, business advisor, consultant. I think this is a good podcast, especially for you, because you're quite interested yeah, in the on, entrepreneurial side subject. of things. I think if, for a bit of background, me and Eddie, we're in healthcare, we're both physios. Oh, Charlie did business at uni, and I think his passion is a bit more entrepreneurialism and yeah, a bit more of that side of things. So I think we'll learn quite a lot from you today, hopefully. I, I, entrepreneurialism always sounds a bit niche or yeah. like very business specific, but I think actually but my career and the skills that I've learned can be applicable to lots of things. Yeah. So, so hopefully it'll be useful to everyone. Brilliant. I think some people don't like the term entrepreneur, they prefer like founder or, do you know what I mean? I think <laughs> it feels like there's a lot of pressure behind it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, th- in particular, I don't know what it is at the moment. There seems to be a lot of um, entrepreneur has become almost um, a lifestyle goal. A bit, yeah. a bit, like, a bit yeah. like being famous or being a sports yeah. personality. People think, oh, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and then fly my G6 around. <laughs> yeah. And actually, you know, it's, it's, I, don't, I hate it because yeah. like, oh, I don't, I don't you know, like to badge myself in yeah. that way. Yeah. So we normally start a podcast in a similar way where we kind of take the guests back to when they were either just starting or finishing school and kind of deciding what they wanted to do with the rest of their lives did you have any idea um it's really difficult um because I think when I was younger um the only thing I can ever really remember wanting to do particularly was I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be an oh, actor, really? you know, I wanted to be in the theatre. I loved the stage. I loved singing and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's really hard because I think that when you are at school, like no one really knows what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and I sort of, you know, fell into accountancy, you know, in a roundabout way. Um, and I had this really funny conversation actually in that interview. I remember it very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um because the uh, I was sat with kind of an accountant and then someone from HR and they asked me the question they said you know you know why do you want to be an accountant and I said well I don't really <laughs> so I just said like I, I you know I'm doing it because it's a qualification and yeah. I just said you know when you're 10 you want to be a, a fireman a rock star a, yeah. you know, a sports personality it was like something of that ilk I was like no one at 10 says I want to be an accountant. <laughs> and the woman looked straight back at me and just went, oh, I did. Oh, really? And I was like, no. Oh, I was no. like, well, there's always one. You know? well, and, and you got the job? Yeah. <laughs> I think they just thought I was so honest. Like, Fair, enough. Fair like, enough. He's very straightforward, this guy. You're an honest guy, you'll be honest with the numbers as well. Yeah, exactly. Fair was enough. it just because you were good at maths or what, what made you go into accounting, obviously, when you left school? No, so, yeah, so accountancy was a funny thing for me. So I, I, I left school and I, I was reasonably academic, right? Mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I was very fortunate that um, doing uh, sort of study came naturally to me. Yeah. Um, and so I did very well at school. I got, I got really good grades. Um, and, and I think because of that, I was sort of taught to be an all-rounder. It was like, just give everything 100% effort. Mm-hmm. And that actually was sort of bad because I ended up coming out of school going, I don't really know what I'm good at or yeah. what I like or what I want just to do. Bit good at everything. Right. And I've just been sort of programmed to just give it 100%, even if you don't really like it. So it was like, well, some of these grades I'm getting good grades at, but I don't really like it very much. Just trying to work through it. So, so actually, when I chose a university degree, um, I started doing genetics. And Ooh. that was because... I liked biology and yeah. I thought, oh, genetics is fun. And I started the course and realized very quickly, I don't want to be a scientist. Lab reports are boring. Um, <laughs> this is really intense. Like I was doing like 36 hour weeks at uni and it was 10 week terms. It was, it was really heavy going. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to stick at this. No. So this is, I'm very quick. So did you do a year or did yeah. you drop out halfway through? So, or, so you did so, your first saw year? Saw the year out. Right. Um, uh, and sort of halfway through, had the very difficult conversation with my parents and mm. said, I'm quite unhappy. I don't really know what I want to do. Um, uh, and uh, to be fair, they were pretty good. I think they, they held their tongue and said, okay, well, do what you think is right. And I said, right, I'm going to take a year off. Um, so I, I didn't quit. I took a leave of absence because um, I thought that was a good way to sort of, 
I guess, defer decision making because yeah. I was like, I'm not really sure. Mm. Um, and then I, I did a, a myriad of jobs in that in that time. And and I always loved working. I worked since I was sort of 13, 14. Mm. Um, uh, and I ended up getting this job for, for Louis Vuitton. Um, which was very fancy. Um, I had no idea what they did or who they were, but I just rocked up one day and handed my CV in and said, you know, I, I fancy working here. Um, I, and then I ended up going back to uni doing business. And so actually accountancy, which was on my do not do list, mm. it was sounded like something that was really dull, wasn't interesting. Um, I, a friend of mine who I'd met at, at York University doing genetics had ended up being an accountant. Mm. And I thought, well, if you've done it, then maybe I won't like would dislike it as much. So when did you finish studying then? Because if you've gone to uni for one year, taken a year out, and then gone to uni to do business again, which I assume was three yeah. years, yeah. and then done your accountancy exams on top of that. Yeah. How old were you when you started uni and when, when you finished? Yeah, so when I so I was probably I guess because uh, I'm an I'm an old baby as well, right? So I'm an October birthday, mm. so one of the oldest in my year. Okay. So by the time I was doing business, uh, it was basically the equivalent of taking like two gap years. Okay. Um, so I wasn't too far away from everyone else, um, but that was really advantageous to me because I'd already done the first year in uni. Yeah, they're more mature. I knew what the pitfalls were, and I know as much as they will say things like, "Listen, your first year doesn't really count. It doesn't, you know, it's not scored." actually it is you know because if if you end up getting your degree profiled which is what happened to me you know they look at your past history they look at what your attainment could be and so I kind of very smartly and strategically went in with a slightly different mindset of mm. actually the first year should be easy and it gets progressively harder and therefore if I get higher marks now that shows the level of my capability right. so if I if I don't do so well later or I struggle then they'll they'll look across it and go well, mm. but the realism is he performs at this level. Yeah, um, you know, and so I, I scraped my first class degree. Where, where did you go to uni? Um, so I went to Manchester Metropolitan. Oh, University. okay, right, right, right. And are you, are you from Manchester? Um, no, so I'm I'm from the northwest. Really, I grew up in the Lake District. Okay, um, so you know, lovely country childhood. Lots of walks. Um, no, because when you <laughs> there, when you live there, you don't do you don't it. Do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like to stay as far away from the tourists as possible. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, so I grew up in the lakes, but but we had family in, in Liverpool, Manchester, and so I, I kind of wanted to be in the region, but mm. just far enough away from home, you know. And then, so how long were you an accountant for then? So I qualified from university in, what, 2008, um, which feels like an awful long <laughs> time ago now. Um, and, I, and obviously went straight into a kind of a grad scheme with an accountancy firm. Um, I didn't realise everyone else had been applying for jobs, mm. like in the final year. I, I, it just completely bypassed me. Um, so I suddenly thought, oh, I better get some paid work, you know, and, and do something. Mm. Um, and so I, I did the accountancy for, it took me four years to qualify. Um, so I, I failed a few exams, had some scary moments where I was almost sacked. Oh, um, really? For, for not passing is the Is it exams. a tough exam, that chartership? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, it, and it's there's something like 16 you end up doing over the course of the, of the three years. Yeah. Um, and it's very intense. You know, you, you go and study for, a, you know, a couple of weeks at a time, you're, you're out of work. But then in, in between times, you know, you're also doing a full-time yeah. job. Mm. And and I'd actually got a job based out of um, one of the smallest offices in the accountancy firm, which was in Chester. Yeah. Um, and I loved it from there, but it meant I was also driving into North Wales. So um. some days I was driving four hours back and forth between <sighs> clients and trying to study. Yeah. And and I'm um, a conscientious person, so I wanted to do well yeah. and work. And so the study didn't always match up to what I needed to do and, and I failed one of my first exams by like one mark and and that should have been a flat out like you're fired you know, oh really right. um, and I was very fortunate that the office managing partner really fought for me um uh, and and so they kept me on um so I'm forever in her day <laughs> she, she was she was she was the person who started my career really I think it's so tough isn't it with with these kind of jobs like accountancy where you have to be chartered really to to kind of make it up in the world of accountancy and you're expected to work full-time whilst doing these studies my girlfriend's a surveyor she's kind of doing the same thing a chartership right. for that so she's having to travel to Liverpool but also kind of revise every evening 
for this exam that's kind of make or break for it, it seems like your colleagues are like they don't tell her when it is it. either do they she just found out it's, right. it's in three weeks but like yeah you don't have much yeah. notice no. and it's no. I think it's a lot of pressure especially when that young age you kind of you're just getting used to the job and everyone's like you need to go for your chartership I, I cried when I qualified like, <laughs> I was, I was I, yeah because I, I it was sort of one of those where Few. you know when, when when you get into it like there are rules around you know, how many times you can fail an exam and that yeah. sort of stuff and so um you know one of the problems I'd had was I've been very close a couple of times to kind of you know nudging one of those rules yeah and just pulling it back and I failed my final case study, which is, it's a massive exam. It's such a big piece of work. Mm. Um, and the second time I did it, I remember very, very clearly, I was on holiday with a friend of mine. I was sat on the beach and they text you your results and they come through at five o'clock. And so I was sat just watching the phone. Oh, no. <laughs> Rocket. And my friend was just, just badgering me all day going like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you so tired? I was like, the rest of my life <laughs> with here you know um and then and then it, the text came through and said you know you've passed i was like in the relief and he's like people are looking man like, <laughs> down, like i think it's so crazy because everyone when they're doing these things are like stuck in this bubble that this is the only thing that matters in life but like if you look at yourself at that moment that was like all that you cared about but like at the like where you are now looking back it's probably not significant at all really it's just a small part isn't it and and they tell you that when you're at school right yeah, when yeah. you're doing your GCSEs or your first qualifications they start to go look at it is important but it's not that you know yeah. it'll become a time where it gets superseded by something else and and that's definitely true you know and, and I wouldn't be where I am without that qualification yeah it's been an incredible um thing to to get um and actually i've just um hit my 10 years qualified oh um, congratulations yeah milestone <laughs> i don't know how i feel about it <laughs> um but you know so so actually now i'm a fellow of the of the institute not nice. just um you know a, a member so um wow. that sort of makes me go oh wow <laughs> certified yeah i've achieved something else but also oh god i'm old you know that's <laughs> it that's it i'm on the slow decline <laughs> is it is it possible to get into that aspect of work without a qualification a uni degree yeah, so and actually, so a, f a good friend of mine um, works for a very large business, um, heading up their treasury function, like what they call cash and bank. So he deals with millions of pounds of wow. cash payments every day. Um, you know, paying suppliers, um, also uh, sort of you know get, get sales invoices, and 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 he's responsible for that entire function. He started working in a cinema, um, yeah. and actually, he, you know, got up through that job, ended up, you know, training up to be management, and so he did the whole career progression. And I think that much more now, you know, employers particularly are looking for different ways or internal programs to to get people upskilled. Um, you know, it's not necessarily thing that you have to go to university anymore; you have to do a certain thing. So he did it all without the debt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Clever. And actually in accountancy, so when I was joined, it w they were sort of bringing in a new thing where actually they would train you in what's called AAT first, which is sort of a lower level accountancy qualification. And if you got through that, then they would take you straight from school, put oh, you through yeah. that, and that would take two years. And then they would also then put you on the, the final pathway. Wow. So, so actually there were people much younger than me who were qualifying ahead of me because they, they'd actually just taken a different route yeah. and they were mm. excellent, you know, because mm. they got all the training on the job. So I think what I'm quite interested in, and I'm sure you two are as well, is that y people like yourselves who've got into this role of chartered accountant, there's that traditional path where you'd stay in that for the rest of your life and then you just take your pension and retire as a chartered accountant. And that's kind of, I was a chartered accountant. But you seem to have taken a different path and gone, I kind of want a bit more or I just, there's something else that I want from life. And you've gone down the, the path of, becoming a CEO as you said um which I think a lot of people th think is quite mm. daunting or scary what what was it that made you want to make that leap um yeah wish I'd taken the path where I'm just gonna drop <laughs> 55 it's like what a fool I've been <laughs> um, no and, and that's the funny thing I was never an accountant yeah in, in, in kind of and and that that's not really true, right? I, I've worked with lots of accountants who are very personable, great people. You know, it, obviously it's a stereotype. Yeah. So accountants are these boring, you know, bean counters. <laughs> but it, but I do I do believe that people do get attracted to jobs that kind of suit their personality. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be cabin crew, you, you've got to be quite, you know, against, not anti-routine, but, you know, you've got to be willing to kind of just work 
weird shifts and times yeah. and, and be a bit kind of transient mm. you know that wouldn't suit me no. I'm far too routine like, yeah. um and likewise there are an end of accountants that, that are very you know routine focused structured analytical and that's mm. why they're good um i was more at the commercial end of accountancy and a lot of my clients used to say well you're not really an accountant are you but actually really beneficial when you're an auditor because they think you're your mate they're your mate oh right? yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so they used to tell me all this stuff and i was like it's really interesting i was like it's also not right so, <laughs> down. um so it's good fun actually i used yeah. to really enjoy it um but, but so I, I did it for, for about six years all in. I, I moved from audit into corporate finance, which was sort of called the sexy end of accountancy, if there is such a was thing. Was that in the same company or did you move yes, for that? Yeah. So, uh, and I, I think it was after my first year, I sort of had a very blunt conversation and said, I'm not going to qualify and be an audit manager, by the way. So mm. I want to know what kind of potential career path there is for me. Um, and that's not typical. People don't generally do that in their first year. Mm. Um, they sort of wait till they qualify to be like, oh, now you know, can we look at something? And I was like, I want to know what that is now. Mm. Um, so I, I did that. And that kind of opened me up to a world of working with businesses and understanding how you get value into them. Um, and I think in my career, I guess what I went through personally was a big change of what I was like as a person so I think I did start off that very rigid structured I was I was goal oriented so I, I wanted to get promoted I wanted to be a partner I was like there's no reason why I can't do this job yeah. I was looking at people thinking seems easy enough to me like mm. how hard could it be um but actually as I kind of went through it I realized my face didn't really fit <laughs> and that I was a bit more not maverick but a bit more innovative, a bit more willing to question rules, tighten up processes, make things simpler, more efficient. And that was just like a natural, I was a troubleshooter, a problem solver. Would you say you're um, quite proactive then and like anything you found like there was problems, you were like, I need to solve that. Yeah, and, and I, I always make a joke that people would say, oh, you know, it, it's, you know you're know, you so confident. And I was like, I'm not confident, I'm belligerent. Like, yeah. I'm almost like a so stupid that <laughs> I can't keep my mouth shut, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just, if I see something, I, I say what it is. They're like, well, why does that work like that? And I've always this kind of curiosity. Yeah. So. I think you need to be curious because that always drives, I guess, change. Yeah. And a lot of people that aren't curious yeah. or when, when a business or something like that doesn't have that curiosity and things just stay the same and, and a new person might come in and go, well, we were doing this well, well, at my yeah. place. It, it worked so much better. You guys are kind of years behind us. So you have to have people like you, I guess, to make change, positive changes, right? And to fix and problems. Yeah, and and so I didn't, I didn't choose to be a CEO. It sort of happened by yeah. accident. Mm. You know what? What ended up happening was that, you know, circumstantially, I trained during the recession. Um, you know, I'd had a pay rise of about five hundred quid a year, which was terrible <laughs> back then. You know, for an accountant who was yeah. qualifying. You know, I was probably ten, fifteen grand behind where I sort of felt I should have been paid, but right. ultimately that was where we were and it mm. was it was tough times um and so i saw a really shiny job advertised in london that was about internal consulting for bt um and i was like well, i've never worked for a really big firm you know that could be exciting it might give me loads to do um and you know it just happened that it was going to double my salary overnight so mm. i thought that sounds really cool <laughs> like, i'm really interested in that and did you feel qualified enough for that post at the time or was it just like i'll go for it hopefully they give me it or were you like yeah. quite confident Bit of that yeah <laughs> pretty pretty much just sort of thought well the job description reads like what i do mm. and, and how i operate and whilst I might not meet some of the, you know, qualification criteria, or I didn't go to the Red Brick University, or mm. I didn't go to a big mm. four accountancy firm, you know, it's it's good enough. Uh, and so I'm going to give it a go. I think a lot of people might suffer in that position where they're looking and they see a, a role that comes up and they go, oh, I could do that, but there's probably someone better, so I'm not going to bother. Such a bad mindset. Imposter syndrome. Is there ever like a that? point in your life where you have felt that you've you've had imposter syndrome? Every, every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, and it does. In all honesty, it does. And I, I'm at the point now where, you know, I sit on boards, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost, I'm basically a professional director. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's what I do. So, you know, it's all about governance, strategy, risk. Um, and my first board role, um, I, I, I attended a meeting and I thought, okay, yeah, this seems interesting. And, and they wanted an audit committee setting up and I'm qualified to do that. So great stuff. 
Um, and at my first meeting, there was a massive board fallout. <laughs> Half the board resigned. Um, yeah. And I kind of, it was so strange because I'd gone into that meeting thinking, I'm probably the youngest person here by a very long way. I perhaps, you know, don't know the ins and outs of what's going to happen or what should happen. Um, and very quickly, I realized, actually, I'm the most qualified person in the room. Yeah. And, and right now, I am in exactly placed and my experience is precisely placed to fix this problem. Wow. Do I want to do it? Not quite sure. No <laughs> yeah. You know, but here I am. I signed up to it. And so I felt like, you know, I had a duty. To, yeah. To and I think when you notice that and you believe in yourself, then you kind of get that confidence that you didn't know you had. And then you just build on it really, don't you? Yeah. I, I'm a big believer that most things are within your control, mm. you know, and that actually, you know, luck plays a part, but you do create luck. Yeah. And, and my career has been about seeking and taking opportunity yeah as you know kind of when it arises so when the when these things have turned up where i've gone oh this job looks interesting let's give it a go you know when i got into bt i did the role for a year it was great i kind of had a difficult boss i was like not really sure i'm enjoying it Mm. but they they put me on kind of a a mentoring kind of management track program Mm. Um, my mentor was like, we'll find you another role in the business. Like yeah. this business is enormous. There's 120,000 people work here. Like, you know, we'll find you something to do. And that's how I ended up being a HR program management mm, office yeah. lead. I think we, we had a guest. Knowing nothing about yeah. either of those things, you know. We had a guest the other week who, who, who talked about imposter syndrome and how people always think, oh, they don't deserve or they shouldn't be in this position. But in reality, to get to that position, it's not just you that put yourself out. Other people have, and they've believed in you. Like you Absolutely. said, they they go, right. I think you'd be great at this, and you, you start doing it. But that's because other people have believed in you. So you can't be that much of an imposter. Not there solely on yourself. People have had to look at you and be like, <laughs> yeah. I want you for this job. Yeah. Um, going back to uh, talk about mentors, is having a mentor a big thing for you? Yeah. And do I, you still have mentors? Absolutely. I think I think it's really important no matter what you do. Um, and when I set up, um, so, so kind of I worked for BT for a few years. Um, I then got very unhappy with kind of working for a big corporate. Um, you know, I found myself in the office one day, completely stressed out of my mind, almost kind of burst into tears. And I was like, this is not healthy. Like I shouldn't, but I'm, I'm kind of done with this. You know, mm. I don't need this anymore. Mm. Um, and I resigned with nothing else to go to. Um, and they, everyone was a bit like, well, what do you mean you don't have another job lined up? I just thought, well, I'm a qualified accountant. Like I, I can find work somewhere. And if need be, I'll go and work at a pub. You know, I'll go and pull yeah. pints. It's not, it, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. You know? I think a lot of people are then. That's the yeah, issue. That's, I think a lot of people true. think if they leave, then that's it, they're unemployed or they won't find anything else and their life will kind of end at that point. I think it shows a belief within yourself that things will, with my capability, will sort themselves out. And I think, and also in a strange sort of way, unless you force yourself to make the change, it's very easy to not. Mm. You know, it's very easy to go, when when this, you know, arbitrary set of criteria get met, I'll I'll do it then. You know, or if that happens, and it's always the when, and there's Mm. never a good time for anything. No. So you've got to kind of push yourself. Um, So I set up a a business consultancy, um, you know, when I was sort of in my very early 30s, and I thought, no one's going to leave me. Like, what am I doing? Um, And very quickly, I built a very strong business, you know, sort of, uh, you know, within a few months, because I'd done it before. I'd worked in those companies. I knew how they operated. Yeah. I had that skill. And when you were transitioning from the accountancy role to this, like the first business you set up, was there any role models or influences or people that you kind of looked up to or was it just people you'd work with? Yeah, I I think um, I've always tried to seek grounded models if you like or role models I like to call them real models yeah you know, it's sort of like you know real people um and when I set up that that business it's lonely when you're a solo founder um the first thing I did was surround myself with other solo founders mm. so that I could learn from them and also because sometimes you need a good therapy session down the pub mm. yeah. to go oh this is all falling apart and I don't think it can work and I don't think I'm any good for them to go yeah, I did that last week, <laughs> but I'm all right now. Because you, know, you do, you go through those waves. Um, so, so mentoring, I think, is really important. And just that, that idea of kind of continuous learning, like I'm always trying to stay on top of, you know, what's new? What, what am I missing? How can I improve my leadership? You know, 
what can I do better? Mm. And was there a defining moment when you left accountancy and you started the business where you're like, right, that's the moment I'm changing. This is it. I'm, I'm kind of moving away from my old job. Yeah, I think when I left BT, I think that was it. There was definitely a sense of there's no turning back here. Mm. You know, I'm, I definitely want to work for myself. Mm. Um, and strangely, that actually came from my colleagues at BT. So I, I, there was, I was in a really brilliant leadership team. Um, uh, you know, had a boss that was that was really difficult to work with. And I just thought, I can't do the micromanaging. It's just not my style. I need autonomy. Um, and when I handed in my notice, almost each of them individually had come to say to me, why aren't you working for yourself? Like, you're so much better than this job. You know, you could be a CEO. And I kind of thought, that's, that's bonkers. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Um, and I guess that kind of planted a seed in me because then that was like an idea that I'd not really had before. Mm. A little bit like, oh, perhaps I can be an accountant. You know what? That was on my list of no. Yeah. So, so I was open to going, could I be a CEO? Like, <laughs> what, what would that look like? And and it's really easy when you start your own business because you can call yourself a CEO. Yeah. Just do it. Um, and then what's happened then is over the, over time then I, I've then become a CEO. You know, yeah. I've, I've actually gone and got the skills that I need. I think one of our... In relation to that, one of our uh, previous guests said all he needed to start his business was £100 and he just said that he just gave himself a title. Didn't even know the title existed. He was like, I'm just going to be a negotiator or a consultant negotiator. Didn't even know that that was such a, that was such a thing as such. Um, and was just like, right, give myself that title. I'm a CEO of my own business, £100. And he just went from there and... Looking back on it now, yeah. he's, he's obviously done yeah, quite well. So I think it's it's quite a similar mindset that you've had, and it's just been like, this is what I am. This is what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to give it 100, percent and and it's taken taken me to the to the moon. So um, hopefully, yeah. I, th- I think what I realised at that point was that careers and jobs now, you know, the the idea of having a job for life had long gone before I entered the world of work. You know, mm. that that that's been disappearing more and more. Um, I think that it's about skill and, you know, experience and just experiencing different disciplines. Because actually when you say, oh, you're a CEO, you know, there's a difference between being the CEO of a FTSE 50 company and being the CEO of a startup. You know, those are two vastly different skill Mm. sets and different sets of experience. Mm. Um, The reality for me is having become a CEO and having had the, the kind of experience I have in my career... Actually, I understand about marketing strategy. I understand about people strategy. I, I can do finance. You know, so so actually, I dip in and out of all sorts of parts yeah. of the business in a small business. So that that kind of experience you got from being an accountant and working in these other jobs has kind of set you up perfectly to kind of start up a small business and be able to do things and kind of work out your strengths and weaknesses. Then, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that what I did when I set up my consulting business mm. was. I, I positioned it as almost a skill set rather than I'm offering this service. Because um, I, I kind of had this idea that if I call myself a consultant, I just sound like a prat. <laughs> like, I sound like someone who's going to come and tell you what to do. Yeah. And am I really old enough to do that? <laughs> and so I was like, I don't think I am a consultant. I was like, I think I'm a business advisor. You know, I, I'm going to come in and fix your problems. And so actually, what problems can I fix? And that's where it start, mm. started to emerge from. I said, actually, I can do risk management. I can do HR. I can do finance. You know, I can do systems and processes. So I had all this experience. So that was that was one business. Was that? Have you done more than one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many? How many? Have you, how, so how many have you tried? Yeah, how many? How yeah. many have you tried? Because obviously, a lot of people, entrepreneurs. They, 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 they start many multiple businesses and they fail and then they find the one that works for them. Right. And where are you up to now? Exactly, yeah. Um, so, so I guess what I've got now is a bit of a portfolio career. So um, as part of setting up the consultancy, I wanted to also become a non-exec director um, and sort of to keep my hand in other businesses and advise, you know, at a board level where I don't have to do the work. You mm. know, that's, that's kind of, I quite enjoy that sort of thinking yeah. and helping people grow in that way. Um, so I, I got my first role as a non-exec with um, a credit union. Um, so that was financial services, very different. Um, what I've then done now is I sit on the board of an e-commerce startup um, as, a, as a sort of non-exec. And I'm also advisor to um, 
a social digital marketing agency, um, which also has a second company that measures social value in ESG. So that's completely different <laughs> again. So that's kind of like my, my board level appointments. Um, and then I still run my consultancy. And off the back of some work I did there, um, I connected with an old client from when I was an accountant. Um, we, we met up, she had a business idea and sort of said, listen, I've got this mad business idea. But I need a CEO. She's like, I need someone to co-found it with me because I don't have that skill set. She's yeah. like, I'm the ideas person here. She's like, I'm not the executor. She's like, but you are the executor. Uh -huh. um, so that's my nexus. Um, and that's still going. So that's five years in. Oh, um, nice. It's been a hell of a five years to mm. try and start a business. Yeah, um, I bet. And what we're doing is quite complicated. So... Yeah, I was going to say, I've got some notes on my nexus here. And I was going to ask. Find <laughs> out about it. I think the, the first thing I've got is that your, your kind of goal is to help businesses grow and help entrepreneurs source investments for startups. Is that kind of the yeah the main? So, so I think the passion came obviously from having worked in lots of businesses when I was an accountant and then having set up my own. You know, this kind of support for early stage business is very fragmented. Mm. There's lots out there. It's really hard to navigate and it's very hard to do successfully. Um, so, you know, there's this sort of horrible stat about 90% of, you know, any new business will fail within mm. the first sort of three to five years, you know, um, and they just churn. And that's not a bad thing because you're right. Failure is good. We learn from failure. Mm. So we should have a level of failure, but it never really moves from 90% and we think that's too high. Um, so, so what we saw was a problem at the kind of investment end of startups, mm. really hard to kind of put your finger on what, what you should invest or shouldn't invest in. So investors find it hard to measure their risk um, and entrepreneurs find it hard to demonstrate their capability. So we said, well, can we do something about that? Can mm. we create digital tools that instead of this very, very biased process of like, let's meet and have a handshake. And if I like you, I might give you some money. Yeah. Or if, you, if my mate told me about you, I'll give you some money um, into actually something a bit more data-driven. Right. Um, so that was the concept. You can kind of prove what you've got, the skills you've got, and they can look and say, oh, I like that. I don't have to just kind of guess by having that conversation in the pub. Right, yeah. I, because there's a huge problem in investment in that, you know, women founders don't get funded black founders don't get funded mm. um it, it's just an inherent systemic bias and and we can't really overcome that unless we change the process mm. so so we're trying to kind of it's a big job to go yeah. and try and change a whole industry mm. especially while we've been having you know covid economic shocks and everything else yeah. so you know will that survive yeah. or will it fail i guess when I everything's know. put in <laughs> on, on sheets of data and there's 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 evidence to prove that someone is but, worth the funding right doesn't matter what skin color they are or what what gender they are it's 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 performance Proven facts. at the end yeah. of the day isn't yeah, it that, so that's it so if we if us we came to you and we started a business and we said look we want to we want a profile we want investment how would you go about it yeah so so we've built a couple of digital tools basically to help you kind of self learn so so one is what we call the entrepreneur skills index so actually it's a game so you can download oh, really? download an app run a little coffee shop looks dead simple it's really hard because <laughs> <laughs> we designed it um, but but what we're actually measuring for is not you know whether you can make a profit or whether you understand you know how to make sales we're looking at actually do you possess the personality attributes that an entrepreneur would would we would expect to find so how you know how is your calculated decision making you know are you kind of do you seek or you know autonomy or goals you know so so we get you to make lots of decisions in the game and from those decisions we can measure your personality basically um, really and that's about giving you then an understanding of what do I as an entrepreneur then do because because actually you're one part of it the business idea is another and then also the industry in which you mm. operate in is another one so, so do you have like a bank of investors for each industry then that you kind of connect people with or like say we set up a business and we want to start a clothing brand or something do you then know investors or would you then would they just contact you how does it work yeah so at the moment what we have from the investor side is a kind of proof of concept matchmaking platform mm -hmm. so you know the the Tinder for investors <laughs> is often, often what people will say. And, and I think it's right. You know, it, it, that sort of dating analogy is, is, is a good one mm -hmm. because it's about kind of saying, yeah, on paper, you might have the criteria that fit together. Actually, you don't know until you go on a few dates as to whether you're actually mm, going to... That's you know, right yeah, for them. Exactly. Um, Are you... Is it just Manchester companies or is it is it is it 
nationally? Is it internationally? Yeah, How so far have we spread? UK, at the UK focused at the UK moment. Focused. Yeah, and, and we're trying to work in kind of the northwest and the Midlands. So my co-founder is from the Midlands, um, and so we cover both of those patches. Which is other than probably Scotland, it, it is a big bulk of everything that happens outside of London. Um, although you've got loads of tech clusters popping up in mm. you know Bristol and Leeds and this sort of stuff. So so it. I think there's a big ambition and a drive at the moment to get money outside of London and, and we're very passionate about, you know, getting that to happen. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Starting businesses kind of yeah. the rest of the yeah. country. Is obviously these days everything is is becoming more and more online. Um do you have an office? Do, do you do you like to see the people who work for your company in person? Or is everything is everything online? Yeah, we're we're all online. So um, our CTO is based in London. Um, wow. So there's only the three of us. You know, it's a very small team. Cause, yeah. Because actually, you don't need a big team no. to, to do that kind of stuff at the moment. Um. So, you know, it's all around partnerships and uh, you know, and, and what we're not doing is, I suppose, you know, running Google Ads to attract entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. We go to accelerators or incubators or places where entrepreneurs are already seeking support. Yeah. Where we can add a bit more value to them. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next is how do you find the entrepreneurs or how, how would you get them to come to you? Um, like, what would you offer different to a, another, an entrepreneur who's looking for an investment? And if they were looking for investment, how would they know to find you, I guess? Yeah, because at, at the moment, you know, the way investment works, and although, you know, we've got some pretty big gutsy vision about, you know, how we want to change the process, ultimately, you've got to work with what's there first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if that's the way investors like to do their investment, we're not going to try and change that. What we are going to try and do is help the entrepreneurs understand a bit more about themselves so they can be what we call investment ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so investment ready at the moment often means you need to have a pitch deck, a business plan, you know, some financial forecasts. Um, you know, with AI, I think it's going to be very hard to tell lots of these businesses apart yeah. because actually it will be very easy not to fabricate, mm. but to but to do something that's relatively high quality quite quickly. And actually investors are looking at it and going, I don't really know how to tell these apart. Mm. So the biggest challenge for investors at the moment is they go through thousands of these pitch decks every year. Mm-hmm. They're bombarded with them so they, and they can't sift them fast enough. Mm. Um, so what we want to try and do is help entrepreneurs actually get under the skin of what they bring to that business and why they will be good for it. Mm. Or if they're not going to be, how are they going to get over that barrier? Mm-hmm. You know, Cause it's sort of a, it's a funny thing when you start a business cause everyone has to do everything and actually we're not good at everything. Mm. You know, inherently we're all Find what at. you're good at. Exactly. Um, and you're, and you won't be the CEO of your startup. Yeah. You hear a lot of people a certain time. So you should be planning for that. Yeah. You hear a lot of people like say that they want to start a business and they try and do everything. And then they realize they might be really good at management, but all the other things are rubbish at, mm-hmm. and then they have to employ people that are better at that thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how do you go about spreading awareness of of my nexus because obviously you've said it's been about five years now since you started and i think it was at, at uni about four years ago three years so ago you heard about three, it there, didn't you? um do you look at opportunities like going to speak to the next generation of of people who do business degrees the next generation of businessmen as an opportunity to spread awareness of your company is that yeah. is that why you would do something like that but also for for personal gain as in experience of talking to people and gaining confidence yeah i mean i i love talking to people um and i, I don't because i'm particularly passionate about entrepreneurship you know i find that easy um the our kind of strategy i suppose is to target that education sector so actually looking at the universities the tech hubs um because most universities will have a kind of a spin-out division or entrepreneurial support of some form. They find it very hard to give that support consistently. Um, and also there's a really great stat around something like, uh, I think it's a third of undergraduates start a business. So that's clearly more mm. people than are you know studying business. Mm. So there are people who might be doing art or English or anything mm-hmm. else that, that actually are doing something entrepreneurial on the side. And they're now trying to tap into how do we how do we get the support to those people? So actually, universities are very well placed because they're already trying to do that. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of money being thrown at kind of um, government priorities over making sure that that skill continues and that you know we can transition these start and scale ups mm-hmm. into great businesses because actually their contribution to the UK economy is is 
wild. Mm. You know, scale-ups contribute I guess massive. From what I'm a bit nosy about and what I'm a bit interested in, so you're the middleman really in a basic term between entrepreneurs and investors. How do you monetize it? How do you guys profit off it? Like what, what do you gain from it? Some yeah, so part of what we're very passionate about is not fleecing people. Mm. Um, and often what happens in the investment world today is because of that handshake or introduction and because that's the way it all works, it's all kickbacks. Mm. So I might get 5% for introducing someone that then goes mm. on to get an investment, um, which is bad because what it also does is it makes people protect their own contacts. Um, yeah. So it's not an op- as open a market. It's quite cliquey and niche. Yeah. Um, I, and then that just feeds the bias, right? Because we're all still investing in the same rubbish, so mm. it doesn't it doesn't make any difference <laughs> to anyone's performance. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's a numbers game. Um, so uh, yeah, in terms of our monetization strategy, it, we we are a, a kind of software as a service. You know, we charge institutions and um, you know accelerators, incubators to use the tools, but actually they get a nice kind of um, back of house software where they can put a you know, 40 people through the tool and then see all of the metrics across their program. So they can measure actually how their program's performing and whether those people, where they should target the the support to. So it seems like a good investment for them then as well. Right, yeah. So um, yeah, so you'd feel like you're not cutting anyone short really. Yeah. Is there, um, obviously Manchester, I like to call it the, the London of the North. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's just, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more businesses, more and more office blocks. Is there competition is there have you got businesses that are doing similar things to you and i guess what what makes you better what makes you better what set what do you think sets you apart because more so that's it that's the only answer we've got no no you're dead right it's it's a great question because um i would be scared if there weren't competitors they weren't yeah Yeah, because because then then it should be a bit like well why yeah why is this so easy you know if if there aren't people operating in your sphere then you're doing it Mm. wrong um so competition's good, it's healthy. Yeah. Um, no one's doing exactly what we're doing. There's lots of tools out there around, you know, if you upload your pitch deck to us, we can send it out to, you know, 100,000 investors. It, it's still a scattergun approach. Um, the, there are people trying to use AI to predict whether startups will fail or not based on all kinds of information, whether it's your bank statements or you know, what you've been posting on your social media for the last 20 years. Um, and, and allegedly, you know, they're going to predict the future. I think it's bollocks. Yeah. Basically, you know, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's too many, too many, so many missed Fact. opportunities potentially from that. Like someone yeah. could be written off that, I mean, could have all the potential to potentially start a really good business, but just because of something that an AI has picked up, they almost like written, written off just from that. The yeah. one thing that's Stupid. certain in business is people will fail and people will fail who are good mm. because they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time or they've got this, you know. Are you a true believer in that? Yeah. Right place, right time. Yeah, because that's everything, you know. That's why people who have failed eventually have success. Yeah. Part of it's the tenacity. It's because if you do it enough times, <laughs> one of them will go right. Yeah. Um, but also it's about, you know, if if you happen to be in that industry when it's succeeding and you hit it at the right time and you get to your customers and you've got the right resources, great. You know, if I gave you a billion pounds and said go and start a business, you'd probably make it work eventually. I guess Again, me being nosy, I'm interested. You, you said you're, you've got the CEO business, but you do the other stuff as well. How do you manage your time? What what do you kind of put, how would you break Busy it down? calendar. Yeah, per week. Oh, yeah. Because it sounds like you've got about six jobs. <laughs> yeah, I do. Maybe I, seven. I used to say that. I was like, I've got like, people like, what do you do? And I'm like, I have seven full-time jobs. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the short answer is by being um, efficient. You know, I, I tend to try and I'm very good, I guess, at uh, looking at, you know, when my energy is best. So, you know, generally speaking, I'm a morning person. So, I, you know, that's when I have my best ideas. If I'm struggling and it's a bit late at night, I might go to sleep because actually I'll wake up and I'll know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's all about just careful planning, really. Um, I, I think there isn't there isn't anything more I can say yeah. because there's there's lots of things out there that people will say, oh, you know, you can use this time management technique or you can do that thing. I think people instinctively know what works for them. Mm, everyone's different. Yeah. I think I think one of the big things about being efficient is also 
delegating case workload. Um, and I thought that that's something I struggle with sometimes at work. I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to do this because no one else is going to want to do it. But if I were to say, and it sometimes might make me finish late. Whereas if I was just honest and frank with someone and I just said, can you do this, please? They wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, so I guess for you, obviously being a CEO and having seven jobs, being able to delegate, delegate workload must be really important. Yes. And also anticipating, um, and this is where, you know, having worked as a kind of program and project manager is very good. So anticipating when, you know, someone else is going to need to do some work on mm -hmm. something and trying to, in your mind, kind of go, well, actually, I need to get that to them now because if I don't get it to them now, then they won't have it back in time for me mm. to be able to achieve this thing. And so just kind of working it back on what's the biggest priority. Um, I would actually say the biggest thing that anyone can do um, to manage their time is use the word no. Yeah. Um, People are scared, I'm aren't they? I'm not very good at doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and also I, I think I've become, I, I, I'm less... Um, FOMO than I used to be mm. um, you know I used to be very much like oh, I want to try and do everything and everything's an opportunity what you very quickly learn is that um, you can only do so much and so actually what you should be doing is thinking is this the best opportunity mm. what am I giving up by saying yes to this and, and if that's the potential for something else then it's like mm, mm. no I'm not going to do yeah. that actually and, and I'm confident in that and I'm yeah. comfortable with it I'm not going to think oh, I should have done that mm -hmm. so, said no yeah so that's it now so when you're doing this time management and you break down your weeks what what's like a typical day for you i guess typical is probably not the right word to use because there might not be a typical day but standard week from monday to friday even weekends to be honest is there like certain things you know you're always going to have to do or is it always different um i mean there's always um what I would call recurring admin, you know, keeping on top of the accounts, mm -hmm. doing, doing the finances, running the payroll, that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Um, you know, so there's always jobs that are kind of scheduled. Yeah. Um, I would say the next layer for me then usually is, um, and I try to think about meetings and the tasks that I do by maturity. And what I mean by that is because I'm working with lots of businesses and projects that are at different stages, I try to make sure that what I have in my week or my day is a mix of those things. Mm. So what I don't want to be doing is 10 meetings in one day that are all about potential new work because actually that kind of brain effort that you need to sit and think about, okay, tell me about your business. Can I help? Can I not help? Then writing that up into some form of, you know, proposal or offer that I only want to do a couple of those mm. um, a week maybe versus if I've got a workshop that I need to deliver or we need to have a, a working session on something, you know, I maybe want a couple of those. So I try to balance out the different types of work that I've got to do so that I don't get kind of flatlined in, in terms of what I'm trying yeah. to deliver or it and you have to, takes up my brain capacity. You have to be quite good at prioritization then, choosing what, what's going to fit you best that day, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, being, being up front with people and saying, I can't do that for then, mm -hmm. you know, but also, you know, you want it now. Why? What's the driver for that? You know, do I actually just need to do some emotional management with the people that I'm working with to say, uh, probably isn't necessary. It might feel urgent, but the reality is it can wait, you know? And so if we do that next week, it'll be a much better quality output than if we try and force it in, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then people go, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm yeah. comfortable with it now. So now, now you've been doing this job for, well, my nexus anyway, for five years, was it you said? What What's the best bit of it for you? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think anyone's ever really asked me that before. Um, the best bit, I think I, I really enjoy going and speaking to customers and people who use the products. I think, it, you know, and I think most business owners will say the same thing. Mm. I think it, it's that, that's what gives you the validation, the get out of bed stuff when someone says, tool's amazing i used it the other week this is what they someone's actually was. using something that you've produced right yeah. exactly and then they're like i totally get it now you know this has really helped me do these things or i'm gonna go and take away and do something and that you think yeah that's that's awesome you know i, I sort of feel mm. like well then what we're doing is working and also it's great feedback i love getting feedback mm. whether it's good or bad you mm. know everything's an opportunity for improvement. helps you grow yeah. Talk, talking about um sort of feedback obviously it can be positive it can be negative um, and talking about what Leo just asked, what 
talking, let's talk about failure. Cause obviously you said earlier, you said there's obviously to success comes with a lot of failure and it can take 10 fails before you get that success. When, what was the most recent failure that you think Ooh. you've had? Um, I don't know if I, if I could pull something specific out. I think. Is there any any recent time when you've been like, oh, it's not working? Yeah, I, I mean all the time. <laughs> you know, we we have that because we're solving creative problems. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think if you take my Nexus as an example, you know, people say, oh, it's been running five years. That's really great. You're who's successful, and I'm like, yeah, and it could all end tomorrow. You know, yeah. if it all goes wrong. You know, who knows? So we're, you know, we we don't. We don't sort of trust that that you know that's always going to be there. We we always work to fight for it. Um, so people would say, "Oh, you haven't failed yet," and I'm like, "No, we we fail in that business constantly. That's that's why it's taken us five years to get to this point because during that time we've had a series of failures where we've tried something and it's not worked, or we've we've sort of got uh, so far down the road with a potential partner and we think it's going to be great, and then something else falls out mm. or it change, you know, the the wind changes mm. and and everything moves in a different direction. Suddenly so we've got to start again, and and so those kind of things are, I, I suppose in a strange way are always happening you know we're, we're all some we're always missing the mark on something and going oh yeah we could have done that you know and, and mm. then we learn from it and then since being a ceo i guess no one really knows what it's going to be like until you're doing it but is there anything like blatantly obvious where you've you've been in the role and you're like oh i never knew i'd be doing that or any funny stories that you positions you've got yourself into where you're like <laughs> i had no idea i'd be doing this <laughs> know um that's really that's a really interesting question because i think because when i was at bt and i got that that sort of role in in kind of hr program management right, i didn't know anything about it mm -hmm. and it was probably the first time i'd ever been in a role where it was mine to create it was almost mm. like i needed to learn it and then kind of i had the space to sort of spread my wings a little bit and and flex you know, skill muscles that I didn't know if I had or not. Mm -hmm. I was sort of just trying stuff out and seeing what worked. Um, and and I think that for anyone that's kind of doing any kind of job in any industry, you know, sometimes you can feel a bit of a slave to the system. Like I must operate within this box. Mm. Um, and what I've always strived to do in my career is, you know, step outside that box, just take on the responsibility Um the best career advice I ever got when I was trying to become a manager, and I think I wanted it so desperate, I must have been really irritated. <laughs> um, and they were like, stop asking for permission to be the manager, be the manager. Yeah. And it was like, penny dropped. And I was like, right, you're only going to promote me if I embody all the things that you want mm. to see. Yeah. It's not about ticking a list or going, well, what, you know, how do I, you know, I've done all those things. So is that, so does, am I a manager Responsibility now? into your own hands. Yeah, and, it, and actually it was a behavioral thing. It wasn't a, an experience thing. It was like a, if you, if the manager behaves like this, this is how you become one. You know, you just act in the right way. Um, I, and so like those funny things about, you know, getting yourselves into situations or, um, you know, what, what have I ended up doing as, as a CEO that, that I perhaps wasn't expecting? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You, I think I've sat on lots of boards and I've thought, am I going mad? <laughs> like, you know, you, when you're in a meeting, you think, am I missing something here? Yeah. Like, have I stepped into the wrong meeting? Because I feel like everyone's talking a different language and yeah. I have no, no idea what people are talking about at all. And I'm like... What are we even? And I'm a bit like. And then when you've got you put your input in, you're just like, oh my god. Oh, I'm I'm very northern about it. Yeah. I just kind of go, right. Someone's gonna have to speak to me <laughs> in English, right? Because I may I, I feel very stupid right now. But if I don't put my hands up and say that, like you're just gonna keep talking. You have to ask questions. It's so important to yeah. ask questions. I, I I'd say I'm pretty good at asking questions. If if I don't know what what someone's telling me, I will I'll just yeah. ask them to tell me. Tell I think me some people find it hard. Some people find it hard. Yeah, they don't yeah, know. They don't like if they don't know something. They're like, well, I don't want to recognize. I don't know it because then they might think I'm stupid. Or yeah. if I if I suddenly say, oh, I don't get what you're talking about, they're like, well, you should know that. So <laughs> silly silly example, I suppose. But I was at a board meeting the other day, and we were talking about credit control which sounds really dull um <laughs> well they're basically like we've got some older debt you know people aren't paying us it's really common at the moment you know stuff is mm. hard people are managing their cash flow a little bit kind of naughty um and we were having a conversation they basically said oh we don't really want to 
kind of ask too much because we feel bad for asking and you're like yeah because no one likes asking people for money yeah i was like but have you thought about it from the other side which is what it feels like to be asked for money that you owe someone mm. it's like people are guilty as heck you know and so if you're really nice about it and you do it with a smile and you do it a lot and like they f- they start to feel awful yeah i was like so so actually you're, you're looking at it the wrong way you know mm. you're kind of coming at it from that wrong position and, and i think that lots of people do that in business in, in you know, all their careers out of sort of a misplaced fear or not feeling like they're in control. And actually you've got loads, you know, you you start thinking about what the other person's thinking or Mm. what they're trying to do, what's their goal or agenda. That's how you get promoted is going, why would you promote me? What is it you need? Mm. So how can I be that? Yeah, that's that's what you do. That's so true. I think it's the right time in the podcast to to get a bit more deep and we'll dive into those questions, (laughs) a bit more meaning of life kind of questions. I think Eddie's written a few here. Um, so we've only got four left now, but uh, I'll have to think of some more ones in it. Right, just, just pick one. And just the one. Okay. I'll have a look at that one. You so could read it out. Let us know what it says. It's the top of the page, so it's probably one of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing. Okay, yeah, so. the first one. Oh, the question is, do you have a five-year plan? Oh. Oh, great question. Um, I used to. <laughs> um Back in the early part of my career, I was that guy. I was the five-year plan man. Mm. Um, you said you were very organised. and Right, and, and I was trying to achieve goals and I wanted to be, you know, a partner or whatever and, you know, I wanted the White House and the picket fence and, yeah. and actually, over time, you just go, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. I don't care about any of it. Um, so my, my five-year plan um, really only revolves around making sure I've got financial stability in my old age probably. <laughs> um I, i'm in a I, i'm in a because you would think being an accountant you know you said right at the beginning about you know doing the route where you just go and collect your pension probably at 55 mm. you know because they've usually made a decent amount of money by then yeah um my pension's tiny mm. um, i've i've spent all of my savings and money on building my business and yeah. doing that and now i'm at the point where i'm need a return <laughs> I, need, I need this to start paying out otherwise i'm going to be working forever mm. um but i i imagine that i will probably always be in some form of work you know mm. board advisory whatever it is because that's your I, personality I, can't imagine I would ever not want to yeah. um i think it would just be about how it fits in my life i think it's so true like, especially with us as physios who are sort of um own their own businesses and entrepreneurs because they're so passionate about work that it's hard for them to ever let go. Switch it off. Um, because, because I think maybe this is what you're about to say, because as physios, we're, we work in sort of, because um, we're not in the sort of corporate sort of entrepreneur Realm. role. <laughs> um, we're, we're structured. Our days are very the same, yeah. sort of same time every day. Whereas with you, I mean, your hours must, there's no such thing as hours for you really, is there? It's, it's you're always working. You're always prepared to pick up the phone. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, they never, that'll never disappear. It's just built into them. Well, what what I was going to say is as physios, we spend a lot of our time convincing people who are elderly or who are retired age to kind of keep doing things. Whereas (laughs) (laughs) someone like you, I feel like it's, it's just built in that you will just carry on doing things because sitting at home and just watching telly just isn't part of like what makes you feel like human. Yeah. And there's, there's something about, you know, stability and security and routine and, and, but, but like lifestyle, I guess. And, and I think, you know, COVID's been great in a way because I think it's really changed the perception on, you know, how work and life fit together. But I'm also, you know, I guess typically my generation, oh, sound awful, <laughs> um, uh, that, that, you know, we're a little bit more work and life are one in the same. Mm. So actually just from a point of view of like age, there's, there's a definite thing of, Actually, most of us are about how we blend those together, like people at my age, as opposed to how we separate them, mm. which are, are kind of the the generations that yeah. kind of before and after. So, so it's kind of I'm always kind of fascinated by that yeah. kind of stuff as well, like the the anthropology. Of yeah, it. I guess the question leading on from that then is, you're you're an 80 year old self sat in your armchair, kind of looking back at your life. How still would you? Working. How would you? <laughs> yeah, still working. How would you have defined success in your eyes? What would? At what point would you ever say I, I've kind of achieved success? Now, or would you think that's ever possible? So I, I think I've already achieved success. Yeah. Like, like I feel, I feel like I am doing the things in my life that I want to be doing. Yeah. That's really important. That's success. Uh, and actually, what I did in my early career was I swapped out that word for happiness yes. instead. 
because it's a fool's errand to chase success. What does it, what does it mean? You know what you say? It's very subjective, isn't it? Yeah. And, and also I think success has a connotation of othering you know actually that's about what it means to other people it's about you know why am I pushing so hard actually it's because I'm trying to make my parents happy Mm. you know I'm trying to prove something or just want them to love me a little bit more you know like actually it doesn't matter yeah it's about what you want and and what will bring you joy I I read on the website on my nexus that the success was to do with cash capability and capacity so I guess in that sense success is a bit different to your own personal success um, I guess it's the same because we yeah we talk about success in that way of, of like what what business success is if you want your business to to achieve you know its goals then then that's what you need you need some cash you need some capacity and some capability you know and uh, and I suppose personal life is not much different you know yeah. how much money do you need to be happy um, you know can you do the things you want to do are you skilled enough to do them and if not can you learn mm. um, you know and also then have you got the time you know, and I think these are the things that make people sad. It, it's things going, I haven't got the time to do the things I want, or I can't afford to, or I'm not able to. So true. I've never you, thought about oh, that. Sorry. Uh, what would you say? I think this thing interests me is if you could give one piece of advice to someone looking at starting a business, what would that, from your experience, what would that advice be? <laughs> uh, this is going to be funny. Um, <laughs> so, um, get an accountant <laughs> businesses hate doing the finance so it, it's something I've encountered right throughout my career entrepreneurs inherently are ideas people you're about your subject matter you're about your business idea um and they sort of they look at the numbers sometimes and if they're very fortunate and they're gifted and they're great at maths and stuff they'll be on top of them most aren't mm. um you know, I've helped businesses where I've gone in and found that actually they're not even VAT registered and they should be <laughs> and they owe the, the government like a hundred grand oh, no. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they look at you like oh my goodness how could we have not done that and it's like but you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. um and and every single person without fail who I talk to who's been through that struggle will say the first thing I do in my business is I make sure the finances are on point yeah because it's those knowing your numbers means you can make investment decisions you mm-hmm. can make decisions about what to do in your business if you don't know if you've got enough cash coming in, you can't. Yeah. Or you make bad decisions because you're overextending yourself. Um, so actually just having that that kind of keeping your eye on the finances means you understand profitability. You're on top of whether things are working. Numbers get there because people put them there. So actually it's all about your operation and mm. whether it's working well. Um, that that the, the numbers aren't, you know, they're an output. They're not they're not a kind of yeah. uh, a thing to to master, if you mm. like, in that way. So true. And then what I'm interested in, because you're going into your 40s and 50s soon. Oh, God, thank you. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's rude. <laughs> no, we're, all, we're all getting there slowly. We're all getting there. We're, we're all dying, right? Exactly. We're all dying slowly. Yeah. So if you want to leave now, yeah. <laughs> if you're pissed off, yeah. we understand. So b- before you, before you <laughs> die, I guess. Responsibility for him. Before you die, what, what kind of keeps motivating you to carry on? Is there anything in particular? Um... <laughs> it makes me sound like I'm off for the glue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I no, I think, you know, as I said in my previous answer, I guess because I approach my life and my career about, you know, what brings you joy? What, what do you what do you like doing? What are you passionate about? Um, I think as long as I'm doing that stuff, mm. you know, I'm happy. I can die tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I hope not. And I hope you don't know something I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you, you know, I, I don't think there's anything I want to particularly achieve. You yeah. know, I, I don't want a hospital named after me or anything. Mm. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not kind of chasing those. That's goals. quite a nice position to be in because it's not like there's nothing that's, you can then be like, I need this, I need this, I need this. Because I think people that chase things often, reach them and then go actually it's not as good as it seems or right, or why am I doing it? yeah what's the purpose of it yeah. so I think it's nice to be like well I'm happy where I am now and I'll carry on as I am and whatever happens happens which is like you say it's I think it's the best way to live because you're not chasing things really it, it, introspective kind of review of what motivates you I think is one of the most powerful things anyone can do um because it really does just kind of make you question everything from why do I live where I live to, to, you know, why do I have the friends I do? Um, uh, And I've seen people who've gone through that kind of process and then sort of just really changed their lives because they thought, yeah, actually, 
I waste so much energy and time in things that I don't even enjoy, mm. you know, I, but I feel like I have to. Um, and actually, you don't. Yeah. You can, you can choose anything you want. Yeah, that's what I have to keep telling my girlfriend when she's revising. I'm going, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, choo- you're choosing to do this. And she's yeah. going, I know, but it's stressful. I'm like, yeah, but you could always quit. This, and she's like, but I don't want to. So, well, there you go. That's your motivation. That's, yeah. There it is. Yeah. There's, some, there's, there's still something, even though you're hating every second of the revision, that's, that's making you carry on. I've definitely been there. <laughs> and, and you're right. And you go, stop your moaning. Yeah. Like, you just got to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah. Have you guys got any other questions before I ask the final question? No, I think it's been really informative. I've really enjoyed yeah. it. I've loved it. No, I'm good. So the last question, again, going back to the first question, really, is if you look back when you were kind of finishing school, at where you are now currently... And are you, are you proud of the, the man you are and the position you're in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think um, anyone who sits here and tells you otherwise is lying. Because I, I, think, I think most people do. You know, that, that's, that's kind of an inherent part of life. That I think if you're always kind of moving forward, then you're always a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, def- I try to live my life that way anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I'm very, very happy with where I am today and I'm kind of, I'm excited for the future cause I don't know what it's going to bring, but I'm open to that opportunity or it taking a completely different direction. Proud that you didn't do biology. Oh, <laughs> man, I can't imagine what I would have been like yeah. if I'd have been a scientist. I'd have probably invented coat. something amazing by now. I'd probably be super rich, but it's just not in me. Oh, you know, it's not fair enough. James, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to ask to put the link in the description to or anything or just your website? Yeah, absolutely. I'll supply all all the websites to everything that I do. Yeah, (laughs) We'll put put James's links in and for MyNex as well. So if there's any entrepreneurs looking for that investment connection, we can uh, give you that details. But um, apart from that, thank you so much for watching or listening. If you're watching on YouTube, could you please subscribe or like the video? That'd be really helpful. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a follow or any feedback in the comments below would be great. Um, if you're watching and you'd like to get involved and have a conversation like this with us, just kind of relax conversation about what you do, how you got there. A bit of an interrogation, <laughs> but hopefully nothing too um, invasive. <laughs> but yeah, it's been really, really good conversation and I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. And if you keep coming back for more, maybe you'll learn stuff like we do and uh, be, be better people and be more happy and more successful and be more content. So yeah, that's the goal. Thanks Thank so much. You. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye.